turns it. Look at your neighbor and say, when God turns it. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. Thanks be to God who always, someone say who always, leads us into triumph. Say to your neighbor, thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph. Psalms 30 and 11. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. You have put off my clothes that are grieving me, and you have clothed me with your joy and your gladness that I might give you praise. Father, thank you this morning for everyone that's here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Speak to your people even what I do not say. Speak this morning, Lord, to each one of us, and let us be changed by the word. We open our hearts to you. Have your will in your way. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen and amen. We love to see a winner. Those people love to see that winner. We love it when our team wins. The Kansas City Chiefs of teams, uh, their followers will be cheering tonight if they win. The opposite will happen for the 49ers. We love to see a win. Secretariat broke the um, record, and it's never been broken again. He came out at 31 lengths in front of Sham at 2.24, and they caught exactly what happened that day. The trainer, when he turned his head, he wasn't looking for who was behind him. He was looking at the timer because he had raced horses enough to know this horse has just broke the all-time record, and everyone cheered. I want you to know this morning when they did an autopsy on Secretary's heart, his heart was double the size of normal horses. It was not an abnormality. It was what gave him such strength. I want to encourage you this morning right out of the gate that God wants to strengthen your heart today, that the center of your belief system, he wants to tell you today, he wants you to triumph. He wants you to win. Heaven wants you to win. God wants you to win. Angels want you to win. The lamb called Jesus Christ wants you to win. Give him praise this morning that he wants you to win. In fact, all of the depictions of people that have died and gone to heaven and come back, I've studied many of these. That's not what this message is about, but I've written research on that. They all come back with concurring themes. And one of those is that in heaven, angels come in and out saying, glory to the lamb. The saints have prevailed in Cleveland, Tennessee. An addict that was just going to take their life, that addict's life was turned around because God wanted them to win. Someone say hallelujah. Maybe in your life, in moments when you were depressed and you didn't give in, heaven cheered you on. Maybe there was moments in your life when chaos came rushing in, but heaven cheered you on. Maybe there was moments when you felt heartbroken and despaired and you didn't want to live and the burden was too great. And you said to yourself, I can't take it anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. But somehow, without you knowing, heaven broke in, either by itself or through another living soul. And heaven said, you know what? You're going to triumph. You know right? You're going to win. You know what? You're going to make it through. Can I get an amen? Like Psalms. 18 says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. He is my shield. He is my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. And when I cried, this is just like the sound of a hoofs of a horse. He heard my voice from his temple. The earth shook and trembled. When God 
came down to answer my prayer. He sent from above. He picked me up out of the pit, out of many waters, out of an enemy that was too strong for me. He confronted my enemy in the day of my calamity. Can I get an amen? The Lord was my support. He also didn't just deliver me. He brought me out into a wide, spacious place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Somebody give God praise this morning. Maybe you didn't hear the thunderous applause when all that happened, but heaven was cheering you on. Look at your neighbor and say, heaven is cheering you on. Psalms 84 and 11 says, the Lord God, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is not holding out. God wants you to win. God is like a parent on Christmas morning. Or, or just, have you ever given someone a gift? You go, just open it now. Just open it now, you know. Just open it. Go ahead. I, I just can't wait anymore. I can't wait anymore. And you're the one that's given the gift. Just go ahead and get it. Get it. Get it right now. That's the way God is. We think he's withholding good things. God is not withholding anything that's good because of any reason but time. If God takes you on an alternate route, it means he's working something in you to get where he wants you to get because if you got there too quick you might be destroyed or what God wants to bring to you might be destroyed but he takes you on an alternate route Psalms 23 says the Lord is my shepherd and surely in goodness shall follow me all the days of my life but the Hebrew doesn't use the right term because that term and I'm going to preach this morning if I was at a church that had an organ that organ would be playing so just imagine it I go to these churches they say you want the organ or just the piano pastor I'll say just let's just see how it happens because I don't ever know but I feel an organ ministry come on somebody because what it means is God is hunting you down when it says surely goodness and mercy are following you God's not hunting you to destroy you God's not hunting your kids to destroy it we attribute to God what we've seen in people we doubt his good intentions but God says I'm following behind you that you might win in Jesus Christ that I might turn what was is into it can be that I might flip this situation that I might do the impossible because I am God somebody give him praise this morning heaven says meet me in the winner's circle when God turns it I love the word turn it's that word hapak found in Psalms 30 and 11 it does not mean to trade something you know, you trade something. You bring your old car in, and they trade it for a new car. Uh, you exchange something for something else. Back in the old day, before there was currency, people would trade services. You know, I'll harvest your wheat, and you go grind my corn. Come on, somebody. Thank God for 21st century. You know, I'll put your barrel out by the cows, and you come and feed my horses. Oh, hallelujah. Then I'm getting in a vehicle and driving home today. Come on, somebody. They had to trade services because they didn't have currency as available. But God is not a man. To trade something, you got to have something. you got to give it to me, and i got to give you something of equal worth. But God doesn't have to submit himself to men's ways. He doesn't have to trade anything. God is a God that doesn't have to resort to lower himself to anything else. God simply shows up in your life, and he turns what was into what can be. Come on, somebody. God took a man that was barren and a woman that was barren, and he turned it and gave them fruitfulness. God takes barren, that which is devoid 
void, that something that you're missing that you're praying for, and he flips it and he turns it into that which you pray for. God comes to ground zero. God specializes in things thought once impossible. God takes the very morning of a long night of sadness, a season of sadness, a season of anguish, and he flips it into joy. God takes a season of a desert, a wilderness. When you don't feel like you can feel anything, you've lost your hope. You don't know how to cry. You don't know how to shout. And all of a sudden, at an unexpected moment, like when the angel tapped Zachariah on the shoulder on that morning, God flips that thing and you find yourself in an oasis of hope. You find yourself where the streams have come out of the wilderness. Someone give God praise this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, she won't be here next week. Just, just hold your horses. Buckle, buckle up, buckle up. God shows up. I will be here, but I'll be down there. God shows up in the time of Esther when there's a death sentence, an edict from a king that cannot be reversed. And God comes in through an orphan who became a queen's sisters. And God flips it to this day at the Feast of Purim, which we'll celebrate at Southern Charm on March 18th. They will yell out, Vini Hafesh Hu, which means the day that God turned the tables. When the enemy had set up the checkerboard in the big cosmic chess game and he thought he was going to take me out and he thought he was going to take you out and God shows up and says let me just turn this table. Let me just flip this thing around. Let me let you see that I the Lord God the maker of the heavens and the earth can turn it. Somebody give him praise in this house. Those small group of Israelites that went into Egypt and survived 400 years of taskmasters, bondage, and everything else. And on the morning after Passover, God brought out three million strong. And it said God simply, in Deuteronomy, stretched forth his arm and his hand and pulled them out. You see, you don't see how heaven wants to meet you in the winter circle. They didn't see how God stretched his arm out with signs and wonders, which that's what means to turn. It means acts that are synonymous with a supernatural, God-ordained, someone say supernatural, God-ordained miracle. And you know what? It says those three men came out, not a feeble one among them, no one sick. I'm going to tell you right that, that's a supernatural divine health plan. I'll sign up for that today. Not one was feeble. He turned that fumbly denying, that um, betraying Peter to become a great preacher after the resurrection that brought the word to 3,000 people came to know Christ and the world was turned upside down. He took a prostitute named Rahab who had lived her life in prostitution, but she set out and put her faith and works together and God turned her and she became a great messenger to deliver God's people. He took a woman named Mary Magdalene in the New Testament who was filled with demons who also had lived her life as a prostitute. He came to her. He turned her through the love of Jesus Christ so that on the day that Jesus was no longer in the tomb the first woman evangelist was Mary Magdalene she who once was a prostitute she who once was full of demons becomes the very trumpeter of the sound that says he is not here he is risen he is risen indeed somebody praise him 
He took a religious man by the name of Saul, a man that was so full of himself. He thought he was right killing Christians. And he blinded that man on the Damascus road. And he blinded him with his glory. I'm going to tell you something today. If you can't see your future, if someone you love is blinded by their hurt, their addiction, their despondency, their hatred, Christ can and Christ will turn it by his own grace. And he will say to them, I am Jesus. Someone give him praise. Let me calm down. And today, future sons and daughters of the Most High God, future generals that are sitting blinded in jail today, he will bring his light to them. Those that are blinded in rich men's houses, those that are blinded by hurt, blinded by pain, blinded by religion, blinded by the world system, and they cannot see which way to go. It's a terrible thing. He is still the one that can show the brightness of his glory. For in John 8 and 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness anymore, but will have the light of life. Someone say the light of life. Matthew 4 and 16, the people living in darkness will see a great light. And they did when Jesus was born. And from our brother James, James 1 and 17, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, who is not from the Father of lights, who does not shift like the shadows. I'm going to tell you something. Ephesians 5 and 14 says, his power is so great that it says, wake up, O sleeper. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead for Christ will shine on you. I'm going to tell you this morning when I got to this part because I spent days just working on what doesn't work. It's the creative process. And so this morning about 6 when I went to bed about 1, left my notes out and said, I know you're going to help me. I got up and started writing fresh and it just started flowing. When I got this part, I thought, wouldn't it be great if they sang, I came out of the grave. And I thought, well, they're not going to sing that this morning. But they did. They would say resurrection is more than just coming out of the grave. Resurrection is something new. When your emotions feel dead and you don't know what to do. He says, I am the resurrection and life. When life feels overwhelming and you feel like you can't take it anymore. When you're tired of the 24-hour cycle of getting dinner on the table, punching in and punching out. When you feel dead, Jesus still says, I am the resurrection and the life. Someone give him praise this morning. In Job 42, it's, he says, meet me in the winter circle. I know, Lord, that you can do everything is what we say, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. One of the words that Psalms 3011, that turn hapak, is found when God turned the Red Sea into dry ground. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, God can turn any situation. Look at your neighbor and say, God can turn any situation. When they came out of Egypt and they were facing the Red Sea, and there they were, they wanted another route. You ever want another route? You ever want another route? I'm going to tell you, we have been under a persecution here at these that come to this church for about since last October, um, August, and it's because of an alternate route over there on Norman Chapel Road. And you see, if you don't travel that way to church, you have no idea. People, I had to go behind the old Holiday Mountain Inn. I had to circle up there for about six months. I don't even know how to get to this church once they clear Norman Chapel. And they don't make sense to you. Don't worry. You don't look at your neighbor and say, you don't come that way. It's okay. But one day we were going to film some women that had been in jail and women that had come out of addiction. And Pastor Connie and Austin and I were coming here. It was probably in August. We were filming them to, to show at Queen for a day. And I called Austin. I said, Oh, I'm so sorry I forgot where Norm, that Norman Chapel was closed yet again because it just closed. 
And I said, I'm on my way. And if I could have recorded Austin Chadwick in that conversation, it, it would have just been something to play for life. Because he goes, I don't even know how to get to the church anymore. I'm on the interstate. I, I don't even know where I am. I mean, he's just on and on. And we are laughing so hard because we just get used to one route. And then all of a sudden, that route changes. Alternate route. Look at your neighbor and say, alternate route. Now Moses was on an alternate route, but he saw God turn things for him. He was 80 years old on the backside of nowhere, he thought. He thought. God didn't need Google. God didn't need GPS. He didn't need maps, and he didn't need a satellite. He knew where Moses was at 80 years old, 40 years hiding in the desert because he had murdered someone. And just, you know, those thoughts in his head, this is for all of us today, said, you know what, just settle down here, Moses. Just settle down here in the desert running. Just whatever dreams you had, because I know Moses had some powerful dreams when he was young. It's over, you're 80. You're too old. You know, isn't it wonderful that God doesn't consult our calendars? That God doesn't consult man's theory of what age can be used? Pastor's got a message he's preaching next week on give me that mountain. You're going to be blown away at the ages that people were called. But God doesn't count our timeline, and he doesn't submit to it. Oh, we want to. We say, God, now, if you've not done this in my life by this, if you've not opened this door by this, if you've not done this, well, you're just not going to do it. So I'm going to build a tent of depression and live in this wilderness desert for the rest of my life. But thank God for supernatural encounters. Thank God that Moses didn't have Instagram and he didn't have Facebook because if he had checked it, he would have thought, I'm going nowhere fast. Everybody's doing everything, and here I am with the sheep. I've been here for 40 years. I'm nothing. I'm nothing but a worm. I'm a worm. I'm a worm. I'm nothing. They've got all this and they've got that and they've got this and they've got that. That's what social media is to do is to make you envy and compare yourself. God doesn't want you to compare yourself to anybody but the path he's called you to. Come on, somebody. And thank God he did it. He would have ended his life in despair. I'm going to tell you in this room today, there's some giftings and some callings and some doors that have yet to be opened in many of our lives that if we could just sit down and despair because that hadn't happened yet and we could end our life, but we got to remember that God knows how to turn it. Look at your neighbor and say, God knows how to turn it. Have we reached conclusions about we are so certain that we're unable to conceive any alternate solution? Have we taken the ticket as it were, if we were on the destiny train and gotten off at the exit of I'm not enough, gotten off at the exit of this is never going to happen, taking the detour of, oh, well, give that up. Oh, well, oh, well, he's doing that, she's doing that. There's nothing for me to do anymore. Oh, well, oh, well, I'm, into, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the sanguines in the room. <laughs> the melancholy would be, oh, well, oh, well. But anyway, okay, so back to it. And the clerics would just boss all y'all around, so there you go. We take that ticket on the train of our destiny and our future and our hope. And we get off too soon. We get off the exit. You see, we reach a conclusion we're so certain because we cannot conceive any alternate solution. It takes as much effort to prophesy to your future as it does for you to rehearse your disappointments in your past. It's the same effort. Where will you put your effort? Will you put it into, oh, but it's, it's easier, Pastor Rana, just to, you know, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Oh, yeah, we do because you've been telling us. But anyway, um, it's, 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 it's easier just to build a, a little shack of despair and woe. It's easier. It's, 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 a, it's what we call default. 
I'll often tell people, you're, you're just going back into that default attitude, that default action. Default means something you just automatically go to, like on your computer. It has a default settings. God wants you to move out and use your energy to rehearse. What we often lack is a big picture of the view of things. We forget and can't know that God is working for our future. And God can turn things on a dime, and he often does. Give him praise. <laughs> you say, well, Pastor Rhonda, I... <clears throat> I, I've disobeyed. I've got an alternate route. You've you got an alternate route. You can't go down Norman Chapel. Now they got half Norman Chapel. And one night coming Wednesday night, I was going to be late. I'm never late, but in my mind, I think I'm going to be early, so then I put myself in a false freak out about being late. I'm never late, but I want to be there earlier than I am. And so there's a place you're not supposed to go down Norman Chapel. I mean, they have it blocked off. Now you're going to kill someone. But I was late, and what did I do? I gunned it. <laughs> And then I turned, I was like, I'm sorry, Jesus, I'll never do that again. I'm sorry, Jesus, I'll never do that again. I confessed this to my husband, who I confess most all things to. He said, I did it last Tuesday. <laughs> then I found out two other members of my family, who I will not look toward this direction, did it as well. Because sometimes we just can't take an alternate route. I was just thankful I didn't kill anybody. I never did it again. And I've just factored time to get there ahead of time. But sometimes we feel like factored time has gotten us behind. This powerful scripture in the New Testament, <clears throat> you read in the beginning of the year in the book of Matthew. And it says, Matthew who begot Josiah, who begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. You think, no big deal. Give me another cup of coffee. That didn't bless me at all. It will bless you if you understand this. <laughs> That's why most people don't read the Bible. I can't take those begots. They're ridiculous. This is what you overlook. <coughs> Excuse me. God upheld the seed of the Messiah even during this time. He factored it in. Look at your neighbor and say, he factored it. He factored in every disappointment. God factored in the time. What it was, Israel was carried away into bondage. But God had said that Jesus would come through their line. Be, they were his ancestors, that you'd be grandfather, great-grandfather, great-grandfather, and then there'd be the father, Joseph. And they had, they had been prophesied, but they had been in bondage. But the interesting thing is that God upheld the seed of the Messiah even during this time. Listen to me. God factored in times you'd become frustrated and you'd step ahead of him, and he's going to get you back on track. God factored in your disobedience, and he's going to get you back on track. God factored in time to restore you, to get you back on course as if you had never gotten out of course. Somebody give him praise for that. God says in Isaiah 46 and 10, I am the one who simultaneously sees the beginning and the end, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. God wants you to meet him in the winner's circle, the God who hovered over the universe. And the, the scientists say the universe is still expanding. But you and I think we're limited. The God who spoke, let there be light, is the same God that called us into salvation in Jesus Christ. But we've punched the ticket. We've gotten off the exit ramp. And we said, if this hasn't happened, <clears throat> if that's not happened this way, if that's not happened, I'm just going to take this exit. And God said, get your ticket out. Look at it again. If you're not where I told you you could be in the future, you get back on the destiny train. You sit down. You start believing. Do what you can where you are with what you have. But you believe that I am expanding your influence. Somebody give him another praise this morning. An interesting thing about turnaround, when a film goes into turnaround, it's an interesting thing in the um, film industry in Hollywood. 
what happens is they work on this plot. They, they get everything together. And then after all this money is spent out, all this time, all this thinking, all this creative process, they say, I'm having a hard time figuring out what this story is. And they drop it into turnaround. It's called development hell. Anybody ever felt like you've been in development hell? They just drop it. And they say, you know what? That was a, that was a great idea, but we don't see anything more in this. It looked good in the beginning. It looked good when we first started working. It looked good the first time he said he was going to get free. It looked good the first time she said she was going to buy her own house. It looked good the first time, but we don't see anything. You know, the sad thing or the amazing thing, I think it's amazing, is some of the greatest films have been picked up at a turnaround. What happens in turnaround, another studio will come by and say, can I see what's in turnaround? And they'll pick it up and they'll start looking at the page and they'll say, oh, my goodness, this is really good. This can make a lot of money. This is going to be a hit. Some of the biggest movies were picked up at a turnaround. Which ones were they? A little movie called Forrest Gump was put in turnaround. You know the person hates himself that put that in turnaround today. They hate themselves. I mean, they're in counseling full time. $677 million, and that was the, the stats 10 years ago. Life is like a box of chocolates. Run. See. See what someone passed on. Slumdog Millionaire, $377 million was passed over. Twilight, not one of my favorites, but it was passed over. Made over $400 million 10 years ago. But these are the two that just kill me. There's a guy named Frank Pierce who is in full-time counseling if he's still alive because he put in turnaround. He said, I don't see anything in this, a little thing called Star Wars. Come on, somebody. You wouldn't have Obi. You wouldn't have Luke. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have Chewbacca. That's what I was looking for. I can't think of his name. Baby Yoda. Life is good, yeah. But see, because someone passed on it. But another studio looked in there and said, I see something in this. And then my all-time favorite, because it's my all-time favorite trilogy. Oh, my goodness, I'm a warrior at heart. A little-known thing was passed over, but Universal came. Universal sold it in the 70s. But New Line came back and looked what was in turnaround and said, oh, my goodness, there's something in this. It's a little bit of project called Lord of the Rings. Come on, somebody. <sighs> One of my personal favorites. When I'm having a day I need to be encouraged, I just want to see Gandalf go after it. And I just want to see all the hobbits and Frodo take the ring up to Muldor. Okay, leave that alone. Um, but this is what I'm saying to you today. Someone had eyes to see what others could not see. And that's the way God is about you right now. God sees what other people can't see when people say this can't be developed or there's nothing in this. This is not powerful. This is not good material. That boss that passed you over for that promotion, that door that was shut on that job. Even more powerful is the divine truth that God is the greatest author of turnaround in the world. God sees the chapter of your story. God sees potential. God says, I see in you what others have not seen. Maybe your mother, your Aunt Betty, your Uncle George, maybe every relative you had, maybe every friend you had, maybe the last ten bosses you had did not see your potential. But God says, I'm going to shift some things, meet me in the winner's circle, and I'm going to let others see your purpose. Come on, somebody. They've forgotten who is writing your story. Look at your neighbor and say, they've forgotten who is writing your story. 
a God who always excels at turning things around. And one of my favorite statements, someday you'll stand on the red carpet of eternity. And you'll stand before the throne room of God. And they will ask you, how did you make it? through 2007 in that bankruptcy. They will say, how did you make it when you almost overdosed in 98? How did you make it when you got that DUI? How did you make it when that person broke your heart? How did you make it through that divorce? How did you make it when you stand on the red carpet of eternity? It will not be Steven Spielberg that you give accolades to, nor Denzel Washington, nor Mel Gibson, or Peter Jackson that you give praise to, but you will say, look to the center of he who sits on the throne. His name is the great I am. He's the one that pulled me through 2007. He's the one that pulled me through 1998. He's the one that turned it. Somebody give God praise in this house. God turned those waters into dry ground. And sometimes I want to say to someone in this room, sometimes we think, well, God's parted the waters for a lot of people. Now, I just imagine, like, the people on the lower back. When I, I meant to bring you a visual because I have so many visuals of the Red Sea parting that people have depicted on my phone, not in my house, on my phone someday. But at any rate, and uh, I love it because I often imagine the last million. The waters are up. The ground is dry. The waters being up is a miracle, but the ground being dry is equally as much as a miracle. That means God can make the path that you need to go steady and rock. In fact, the Message Bible, Psalms 18 and 30. What a God. His road stretches straight and smooth. Every God direction is road tested. Everyone say road tested. Everyone who runs toward him makes it. But sometimes we think if I run toward him, I'm not going to make it. And I imagine if I was part of the last million that came through. I would be trying to be really strong for the Lord brought us forth out of bondage. Are those, are those waters going to stay up? I mean, two million have already passed. They're over there with their tambourines. Their, he turned it. And I'm coming. I'm, I've got better moves than that, people, okay? I'm just saving them for a bigger occasion. But at any rate, they're coming through and they're watching all those people before them. And I'm sure the thought occurred, can God heal me of cancer? Can God give me a baby? Can God really free me? In the years of working with people in addiction, they'll often say, Pastor Rhonda, I'm sure I'm the exemption. It's not going to work for me. I see all these people that have come out. I see the years they've come out. But I'm afraid that I'm the exemption. There's something wrong with my DNA. There's something wrong in the way I'm thinking. And I don't think these waters are going to stay up for me. I'm going to tell you today by the grace of Jesus Christ, he who begins a miracle is he who ends a miracle. He is able. He is able. Somebody give him praise this morning. He is able. He is able. He is able. He is able. The hard thing is to let God do the heavy lifting. Look at your neighbor and say, all you've got to do is let God do the heavy lifting. And trust him. He said as we get... For my last point, it's just 1145. He made the land dry, so I'm not going to sink. I'm going to walk on top of whatever was walking on me. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to walk on top of whatever was walking on me. Habakkuk 3 and 19, the Lord God is my strength. He is my personal bravery. 
He is my invincible army. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, not to stand still, but to make progress upon my spiritual high places of trouble, suffering, and responsibility. Psalms 40 said, He picked me up out of a horrible pit. He placed my feet on a rock, and He put a new song. Someone say a new song in my mouth, and many, someone say many, shall fear and shall praise Him. Let me tell you something. God can keep the waters. Chris, if you'll come help me. God can keep the waters turned back for you. God can keep that dry ground going. We're going to let Chris play behind me if we can. We're going to let that dry ground be there. Psalms 30 and 11 says, God will turn. Look at your neighbor and say, turn. Again, that's not trading. That's not God having to have something from you. And stay with me because i got a little father to journey, but Chris is going to play. The interesting thing about that trade, it's found in four places when God turned the Nile into blood in Egypt. He didn't have to trade it. He turned that massive water body into blood to get his people delivered. God turned um, Moses' rod into a serpent. And then he made that rod supernatural. Some of you may be growing weary thinking that God can't transform you. God can transform you. God can cause you to be what you've always wanted to be in him. God turned the sea into dry ground. We've already gone through that. Deuteronomy 23 and 5 says, God can turn the curse. I want you to say the curse into a blessing. This is so important, and I'm, I'm going to, calm myself down for these last few minutes and, and please pay with me attention. He can turn. It's a funny thing about anguish and joy. Sometimes they dance together like they have a life. You're crying and someone else is rejoicing. You ever been there? You're rejoicing and someone's heart is breaking. And anguish and joy just dance together. I heard it said like they have a life. It says in Deuteronomy 23 and 5, God said, I would not allow that your enemies to curse you. In this fallen world, sometimes we feel like this world is under a curse. Christ is redeeming it, but we do live in a fallen world. And sometimes we start to feel like I'm cursed. Everything about me is, is cursed. I'm, I'm a loser. I can't succeed. Jesus said in John 16 and 20, like a woman experienced the pain of labor, when her child is born, her anguish gives place. Everyone say gives place to joy. Because she brought a new person into the world. You have sorrow now, he says, but you will rejoice. This is the amazing thing. God can turn the trials of our life into joy. Not only into joy, but in the book of um, Zechariah, he says, I will dip into the blood. This is interesting. What he means is most of us in our trials, our anguish, we've not literally bled, but we felt like we have. Hearts have been broken. Minds have been in anguish. He says, I will take the blood of your suffering. And he says, I will put it in my bowl of redemption. Only Jesus could paint such a beautiful picture. And then he says, I will take a branch of hyssop, which was pointing to Calvary. I'm not going to teach deep on that. We'll let Perry do that for you soon. But I'm going to take this and I'm going to sprinkle what you've suffered with to the nations. I'm going to cause it to be a furtherance of the gospel. That's why when an addict says, I'm 36 years clean, we all go crazy. Amen. 
That's why when an alcoholic says it's been a year since I've drank, we all freak out. Because we know it's, there's a redemption in the suffering. That's why when someone like my niece, Allie, who's up on the screen now, I think. Thank you for bringing that up. My beautiful niece, Allie, in 2011 was diagnosed with breast cancer in the very last stages. She lost all of her hair. That's my nephew, John. She looks like he's five. Oh, I love you. But he's a lot older than that. He's older than Courtney. Walking her watch through, walk, watching her walk through that fire was anguishing. We were at a cabin in 2011 for my father's alias. And we were wiping hair from chemo off of her. That's when she still had her hair. And she later journaled in her book that we were all taking pictures because that's what family does. There was all of us there, and that's rare. Last time we were all there outside of funerals. She said, I thought they were all taking pictures because I was going to die. Her faith was so strong. She went through all of that and um, that they told her, you need to freeze your eggs because you'll never have a baby. And uh, they froze the eggs and they said that uh, chemo has killed everything in your ovaries. Well, after that, we're going to keep that picture there. I'm going to make this real short because I've got to move on to my ending. But we watched her anguish be turned to joy because a mother who could not raise her child named Genevieve contacted them. They went through the long process. The love that they showed... They showed that mother, which I'm not going to go into today, is astounding. If you watch the series rattled on, they've been on TV, then you saw that journey. They loved her. They loved her. Even at the last moment, she was going to keep the baby. After going through lawyers and everything else, she'd already lost three other children. She was going to, she said, I'm going to keep this one. And Josh knelt down in that moment. They were crying their hearts out. They'd been part of this. They'd paid for everything. They'd been with her. And Josh said, okay. And just sobbing, he said, I understand, but. We just want to pray a blessing. I remember where I was praying on my den floor while this was going on. And he said, we're just going to bless you. We just want to speak blessing over you and your baby. Whatever, God, we're this fine. He got down and he began to pray, according to those in the room, the most beautiful and selfish prayer, that God would bless baby Genevieve all the days of her life. When he was done with praying, the mother looked up. She wiped her tears off and she said, while you prayed, I heard a voice from heaven I've never heard before. And it said, give them that baby. She has a destiny. So they got baby Genevieve. And then lo and behold, a few years later, she became, next picture, amazingly pregnant on her own. The baby in her arms is Vera Elise. <laughs> I remember, because Ali's just so Ali. I remember the video she did in the bathroom. Girl, she remember no makeup, her hair in a ponytail. She's beautiful. She's like, I can't believe this. I mean, she's doing it on live. I don't know if I'm reading this right. No, she, she recorded and then did it live later because she told her family, I don't know if this, and she's just crying. I don't know if this says what it says. It says it's positive. I can't be pregnant. They said I'd never have a baby. But lo and behold, God turned it and gave them Vera Elise. Come on, somebody. Out of the suffering of cancer, they said would never happen. They gave her. And then, while she was pregnant with Vera Elise, the mama of Genevieve in the middle got pregnant with that other blondie and contacted them and said, well, you've raised my other baby so beautiful. Will you take this child? And they named her Lydia Joyce after my mom. That's what anguish turning into joy looks like. Jesus said to Allie and Josh, meet me in the winter circle. Or I'm going to put roses around you and glory. 
That's what God wants to happen to you. Can you give him a hand clap of praise this morning? Bailey. We've been talking about not identifying with the trial. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 says, Bailey is representing holding the thorns of us when we're going through a hard place, a trial. Overwhelming responsibility, things we don't understand. Just life can be hard. Not even tragic things, just hard. We don't understand. It's like we're holding our own crown of thorns. The thing about it is, it says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17, for our light and temporary, momentary, everyone say momentary, troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And we think there's, there's no way. Jesse Duplantis, when he went, one of the people I've studied, when he went to heaven, he saw the apostle Paul. And Jesse's a preacher on earth. He had a vision, went to heaven. And as the apostle Paul was walking away from him, he turned back and he goes, Jesse. And Jesse turned back, that Cajun funny preacher. He said, tell them on the earth, take it back to a moment. He said, what do you mean, sir? He said, tell them. They need to say no to the trial feeling like it's forever. They need to learn the word no. They need to learn the word no that says this trial has an expiration date. This trial will not always last. This trial will not be the God that I serve. But the trial will serve the purposes of God in my life. Somebody praise him like you mean it this morning. Come on. Come on. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. He said, what we know here in heaven, it's just a moment, Jesse. Take it back to a moment. You're building monuments out of trials. Take it back because God will cause it anything. Say, God will cause anything to serve his purpose. And I love this in Song of Solomon. It says of the woman or man, child of God in a trial. Where is your Savior? We don't see him. You're going through this. If he really loved you, why would you be facing this? You say you have favor with God. If you have so much favor with God, show us your God. That's what they said to the child of God in the book of Song of Solomon. Where is your God since things are so powerful and awesome? And it's so beautiful what the beloved does there, which represents every man and woman. She just keeps looking straight because I'm going to tell you something. In a trial, in a hard place, you better revisit your conviction, not your passion. Because passion wanes. You love tacos tomorrow, you hate them tomorrow. Come on, somebody. You love that new car today, you hate it tomorrow. You love Betty today, and tomorrow Betty gets on your nerves. Can I get an amen? No Betty's in the house. So when you get in a situation, you better revisit your conviction. What do you believe? Because passion wanes. Us that really worship Jesus, you think, man, they must just get up drinking God aid. No, we visit our conviction. Our conviction is he's worthy regardless. What she does is so beautiful, she begins to describe him. You can read it in Song of Solomon. From his head to his toes, she describes what would become Jesus. His beautiful hair, his eyes like fire, his feet of brass. She describes every detail of him. So much that comes back the beloved who represents, the bridegroom represents Jesus, says, oh, look away from me. Because this is what I was thinking about you when you were going through the trial. 
You wondered where I was. You wondered if I was absent. You wondered if I cared. But there you stood, just remembering me. You may not have seen me or felt me in a long time, but you stood up and said, I will remember the Lord God who has made a way every day of my life. Somebody praise Him. I will rehearse every mountain. I will rehearse every valley. I remember Him from Mount Hermon to the dew on the grass, which is an Israeli way of saying, I will recall to mind everything. And she began begins to just rehearse who he's been she can't see him she can't feel him and it so moves the heart of Jesus and you so move the heart of Jesus that he says turn away from me don't look at me your eyes have overwhelmed me I want you to get this give me six more minutes I want you to get this the captain of the king's army the lord of hosts the one who's going to conquer death and hell says turn away from me because you have overwhelmed me because what he's saying is you stood there loving me anyway believing I'm going to turn it someone say he's going to turn it and then song of Solomon says who is this Coming out of the wilderness, leaning on the arms of her Savior, shining like the sun in the sky. You see, to everyone that's had a trial, Jesus says to you, meet me in the winner's circle. Ironically, we don't put uh, uh, roses around Bailey, but we do want to show you a picture from Queen for a day. Stay right there, Bailey, where the roses were donned on her and, and Jesus was holding her hand. What a beautiful image. Give Jesus praise. Thank you, Bailey. Thank you, Bailey. Would you stand all over the building? And I'm going to close. I've just got about one more minute. One more minute. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Jesus can turn it. Jesus says, meet me in the winner's circle. I've covered a lot of path in this 55-minute sermon that I feared would be an hour and a half. 50-minute sermon, I take that back, 50. Oh, with secretary, it was 48. Okay, whoop. Here we go. You see, we've covered a lot of path that what God can turn. He can turn you into someone else. He can turn your situation into something else. He can pick you up out of development hell. If you've been on an alternate route and you're frustrated about it and you don't know how to get anywhere anymore, he says, that's okay. I'm going to get you on the right path. I'm going to straighten things out for you if you trust me. God said, or Jesus said, meet me in the winner's circle to John in Revelation 1 and 9. John says, I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the Isle of Patmos. Everyone say the wilderness. He actually had been boiled for oil and left to die, but he didn't die. Heaven cheered him on. And he said, it was on a Sunday. And I heard behind me a voice that sounded like a trumpet. Just like that trumpet that got secretary out of the gate. It sounded like a trumpet. And it said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And I turned to see who was speaking. That's all you've got to do this morning is turn to hear his voice. And he said, I saw him. And he describes him and John said, I fell as dead because he was so glorious, because he was so resurrected. And Jesus tapped him on the shoulder and said, John, it's me. It's your friend Jesus. 
I'm the first and the last. I'm the lamb who was worthy. Two chapters on, it says, who can open the scroll and tell us what's to come? Who can tell me when my miracle's going to happen? Who can tell me when I'm really going to get delivered from addiction? Who can tell me when my prodigal daughter is going to come home? Who can tell me the times of these miracles and when they shall happen? When I'll find my spouse? When I'll find my ministry? When this thing will go? I'm not, I'm, I don't want to work on my timeline. I don't want to be frustrated, any, frustrated anymore. I want to be on your timeline, God, because if you're slowing things down, you've got a reason. And all of a sudden, they said, who's worthy to open the scroll? And no one in heaven or earth was found worthy. And I, John, fell and began to weep. And an angel tapped me on the shoulder and said, weep not, and I'm done with this. Look, and I, John, looked, and at the right hand of God Almighty was a lamb looking like he had been slain. And John, the angel said to John, look, the lamb has overcome. The lamb is worthy. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. He's able to open the scrolls. He's able to turn it. He's able to tell you when things are going to happen. He's able to bring things to success. God says, meet me in the winner's circle. Give him the best praise. Come on, all over this house. Come on, all over this house. All over this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. As every eye is closed, if you're here this morning, before we pray with everyone, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you say, wow, I've burned inside this morning. I don't want you, Pastor Ronald, to call me out. Please don't even pay attention to me, but I want to come home to Jesus. As every eye is closed, if that's you this morning, just barely lift your hand and let me see it this morning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. As every eye is closed, I want us all to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, today I recognize I am not where I need to be. But you, Lord Jesus, are who I desire. So today I confess my sins. I believe with my heart that you are Lord. Today, I'm starting again. Can everybody give the Lord a hand clap of praise for those? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven is rejoicing. Now, for whatever you need this morning, half our musicians are gone, a couple. So what we're going to do is right where you are,